0: Baby don't mess around Because she loves me so And this I know for sure But does she really want to But can't stand to see me walk out the door I can't stand to fight the feeling Because the thought alone is killing me right now God for mom and dad for sticking two together Cause we don't know how Hey, ah, Hey, ah, Hey, ah, Hey, You think you got it, no, you think you got it we got it, just don't get it till there's nothing at all, all, all. Wow. We get together, oh, we get together. But separate's always better when there's feelings involved. All all wow. If what they say that nothing is forever. Yeah, then what makes them? What makes them? What makes love, love the exception? So why oh why oh, why oh, why oh why oh are we so in denial when we know we're not happy
1: Hello and welcome back to Double Mountain Clubs, not so ukulele bound. Another week, another classic opening. How's the lockdown, Bradley? <laughs> oh, did you get <laughs> to see some daylight this time? We're a changed man, I'd say.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, got a bit of freedom. Went for a, a three and a half k run the other day, so my Jeez, legs. Things looking
1: good for ukulele again.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm back on it. But the the motivation is high. The training is higher than it's been in months.
1: (laughs) I can hear the listeners just shaking the
2: fear. (laughs) (laughs) competition is real once more. We will be rethinking their top seven decisions? Oh,
1: without a doubt. They know, like this man came 33rd at jaywalk
2: <laughs> that's two fingers
1: no wait 33rd is Daniel your point ah okay <laughs> uh, good times and it's you just doing? you two in
2: the flat yeah we got we got a whole flat ourselves now so sick party, party in madrid when all this is over Oh,
1: jeez, that is
2: pretty sick. Yeah.
1: (laughs) We probably won't be allowed in until September, but we'll try and sneak over in July, June for a party. Yeah, 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 yeah. (coughs) Good times. Any changes? No, same old, same old. Allowed to run, allowed to the shop. Yeah. Yep. So making a most of that, running, and just spending time at the laptop. doing some reading as well yeah happy days
2: what's you reading at the world
1: oh <laughs> I shouldn't have brought this up I shall uh, now I'm reading The Responsible Globalist by Hassan Damluji it's uh-huh. good it's um, non-fiction obviously but it's not the like ah no I'm enjoying it interesting points in it not the simplest read so t- taking a little bit of time but not too long I only started at some stage during lockdown and we're probably getting close oh. to the end but you know me wouldn't be known for my speediness with a book
2: <laughs> no
1: righty Yeah, and uh, listeners will have noted that intro song in memory of the great Ted from Scrubs unfortunately taken too early our uh, right. guest this week is a is a big fan and wanted to give that kind of yeah sh- shout out or feedback. Well, I can't think of the right word for it. Anyway, homage. Yeah, yeah homage. Oh, perfect. You put it so eloquently. Yeah, but uh, yes. Rest in peace. Of course. I suppose we'll move on and then um, should we get our guest in? Yeah. <laughs> exciting times, who could it be? Who's a big Scrubs Ted from Scrubs fan? Who isn't a big Ted from Scrubs fan, to be honest? Sure, that hasn't narrowed it down. Yeah. Dun <laughs> dun how are we doing? Am my in? Say come Say that again.
3: Uh, wait, what the hell did I just hear? <laughs>
1: can you hear us alright, yeah?
3: I can hear you guys. I'm, I'm meant to see you as well now.
1: Oh, no, no. We uh we turned the video off because it's too embarrassing. <laughs> alright. <laughs> we, we got it a was... boomer in the chat. Doesn't know how the Skype works. <laughs> <laughs> we got a boomer. Um yeah. Well that's uh, as Bradley said, but might have been spoken over. Jonathan Quinn, we have here today. How you doing? Do you want to introduce yourself? Describe yourself as an athlete. What this has this
3: wasn't on the previous podcast.
1: <laughs> we like to throw in a new question each week, Johnny. Um on I suppose
3: side. a lot of people listening to this probably know who I am but uh, Jonathan Quinn formerly quite involved orangerange here not so much anymore more doing or probably been away from the sport for like a few years now but getting back into it in the last couple of years intra running and stuff so yeah and probably. Embarking on another go at orienteering for the next couple of years, at least, anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. So that segues quite nicely in. Go shifting back towards
2: orienteering. Why the gap? Where where have you been for the past couple of years?
3: Oh, I've just been dealing with injuries since about two thousand and thirteen. Like, um. So like, well like I did jaywalk and stuff in fifteen and sixteen, but then after that I kind of just took a break for a couple of years. Um, but I don't know. I suppose I haven't been having that much problems with my legs recently, so it's a pretty good way to get back into it. Like never lost the love for it, anything like that, you know, it's just a case of um not really being able to do it more than anything, like.
2: Yeah, it's sad. Sorry, Red. Oh, just, like, not being able to train and get to the level that you want to be at.
3: Yeah, exactly, like, um, and it's kind of annoying because those are really kind of the, probably I'd say, like, your finishing junior years are kind of, like, the most important, really, like.
4: Um,
3: yeah. So, yeah, it's been annoying that way, but still, like, you know, People go into their 30s and stuff, still performing at a high level. So hopefully can get to that maybe again.
1: We've got a long time till you get to your 30s, boy.
3: Yeah, I keep forgetting that. Like, I keep thinking I'm way older than I am.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're a J-O-A 2015, birthday's June, so what? You're 24 now? Uh,
3: 2016,
1: so 23. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. 24 next month,
3: like,
1: yeah, fair, yeah, fair. I think you have so much time. I probably
3: keep thinking that I'm the same age as like you and Connor and stuff.
1: Fair, fair. Hey, what are you
2: fucking calling me out?
3: I like getting on there, like,
2: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty close to 30. Yeah, but... uh, yeah,
1: yeah, years to go until 30, years and years.
2: You were first year 18 and you went to jaywalk
1: Yeah. That's 2013 for any listeners. Johnny didn't mention that. I don't know. That one uh, doesn't really stand out to him.
3: Oh, like that was the first one. Like, so that, yeah. Like, it was not really, that was when I was healthy, you know, so.
1: Yeah, fair enough.
3: Brad (laughs) mentions that because that's the one that Brad likes to remember, like.
2: (laughs) <laughs> Were you at that, Brad. Uh, yeah, I had, I had a couple of decent runs. Oh yeah, why'd you come? Johnny beat me in the long. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah, good stuff.
1: I mean, to be fair. I'm impressed you finished the long, Brad.
3: <laughs> Brad conveniently like leaves out that he would made the A final as well, like.
2: Man, yeah, it's the, 30, the 33rd in the sprint. What can beat that,
3: though, you know? <laughs> I think it's the case of when we... Because all the, like, finals, all the other finals and stuff were in the morning, like, we were, like, watching the TV in the arena for the A-final, like, and we just see Brad going out there in shorts, and we'd all been <laughs> in the train, and we were like, holy fuck, this guy is screwed, like... <laughs> uh... And absolutely ripped to shreds, like, oh, it's hilarious.
2: Yeah, I'd been Good wearing times. shorts the whole week, and and it was working for me. So I didn't want <laughs> to, ruin the, ruin the like, the mojo, and it didn't yeah. work though. <laughs> Would you put it down to the shorts? Were you getting eaten up out there, or you were just had a shocker? I I put it down more to the goal was just to make a final. So that was so my mind was like, I don't give a shit anymore. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so wasn't shit. a
3: good mindset for that
2: area yeah. either like
1: but it's rock hard it's so hard yeah, yeah. class maps <laughs> we might get to live it all again next year in czech republic once more exactly. different style but really still cool rocky areas yeah. uh, anywhere do, in yeah. czech czech is the best in the world for it here i think like. <laughs> now nah, i've ran some shit in czech republic And, Uh, like, we in Terry Republic was bang average. It's just fast, hilly forest. Uh, uh, I like that
3: fast. I like that fast white forest, though.
1: Yeah, fair enough. But it's just easy, so the really quick guys shit on the Irish. Well, to be fair, they shit on the Irish and the other stuff as well. Um, Yeah. Brad may not really think so much about his A final, but Rafael Miguel still thinks long about it. (laughs) <laughs>
2: uh, Johnny Q to put terms. in a, a quality performance at the, the, the banquet that year too if I recall correctly oh, I did
1: <laughs> reference oh, okay. standards in particular Owen and Jack were
2: the ones that were bad Like, I don't know, oh, just as a first year M18 like oh, okay, solid yeah, yeah. drinking performance but not, not, nothing less to be expected from the Irish anyway. So. <laughs>
1: Just living up to high standards. Good stuff, <laughs> then. We can't ask for any more.
2: I remember one I one moment more. at the party. Um, <laughs> we were in the bathroom taking a leak, and like I said to Johnny, like, you're, you're a Catching Features legend. Like, and then and then some random some random Swiss guy who I don't know who he is, comes up to us and is like, "Yeah, oh, this guy's a fucking savage." Is <laughs> this like I'm trying to guess, like Florian Assinger? I don't know.
3: No, he he would have been too young, man.
2: Fair
1: enough.
3: He's about three years younger than me, I
2: think. Oh, that's gas. But like, like everyone, everyone knew who Johnny Q was.
3: Yeah, Emily, oh. look, so I am like, I clap, like Jaywalk 2015, like Emil Drake. oh,
2: yeah, that was a great,
3: great moment in all of our lives.
1: Though. The same, the exact same thing. Johnny's oh, really? there, like having a bad day, getting sick into the barbecue at the banquet, and yeah. uh, he's just sitting there, head in his hands, over the barbecue. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't remember which way around it was. Was it, uh, I asked Emil, Do you know who this guy is, or something?
3: I think it was you asked me who he was. Oh
1: yeah, and yeah, uh, you were like, that, "Of course, that's Emma Grandquist." And like Johnny hadn't even looked up. Like <laughs> I didn't know how the fuck he got it. Like, <laughs> uh, but Emil knew knew full well who Johnny was as well.
2: Respect. Yeah,
1: the mutual love from one top CF player to another.
2: I suppose in the Oh yes, team, it's
1: community like.
2: <laughs> yeah, in the quarantine, there's been lots of opportunity for you to return to catching features. Have you been...
3: Oh, yeah, man, I've been playing. Two weeks now, I've been playing, back playing. Oh, nice. Three, oh. three comp wins, back already. Oh, oof. oof. Are these finished comps?
1: Uh, you what? Are these closed comps?
3: Yeah, closed comps.
1: Wow, respect. Uh, Yeah, they're pretty good, like. He's coming back. He's coming back big. The Spanish
2: Champs is this weekend if you're interested. (laughs) Is it on catching features? Um, Yeah, yeah. I'll send you the. (laughs) They actually
1: did have a New Zealand Champs there like a month ago. I didn't have a laptop at the time. But I have been, like Johnny, dipping in and out the last two weeks again. Finding, finding my old self. No, it's
2: just, it's just so, it's just fucking
1: good fun, like. The
2: multiplayer.
1: Like busy as, as. Yeah, the multiplayer has been busy as, just like randomly, check the site or something, and I'll be like, oh, there's an MP going. I'm tempted to drop in, I haven't shown my face just yet, but I might put on the alias, you know, go in as an alter ego, and it's a classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: The classic Thierry You and
2: everyone's like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good times. The revival of the legend that is Catching Features. What a
1: game. What a game. It's back with a bang. It's got, like, all the, not all the classics, but all the, like, modern classic map makers are doing their shit. They're making good stuff. And so there's high-quality events going on. And the fields are huge. This is like,
3: oh yeah, I've never seen that many people playing before. No like, way! Some comp <laughs> like five hundred people. It's insane.
1: Yeah. Well, we were living in Sweden, and I feel like catching field was almost in the, at its peak in that sort of time. It was like you get a hundred, like when a comp close, maybe you get a hundred and fifty or something. But now, like, yeah, yeah. five hundred. Like,
2: it's absolutely crazy. Six hundred twenty-six yeah. people.
1: Are you looking at
2: a specific one? Yeah, that's the biggest I can see in the last um, week. It's 620 mm-hmm. people.
1: Oh, yeah, that was on the World Cup trainings, is not it? People are all yeah. over that.
2: Because it's short and you know it's like the best quality map. Alvin Ritterfeld, the winner there with Matt Ogden in second place. Ooh, 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 ooh. Big names.
1: The uh, most recent World Cup events, bringing us back to Sherbridge Mountain. I uh, beat Johnny in both Did those. You? Did you actually? Yeah. I've been uh, I'm not... quite focused on the work Cup and putting together some decent races, but you were still... Yeah, I've been in struggling in a couple. That Sherbridge was...
3: The conversion's a lot different than the previous version as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it used to like yeah so he's released another set of two and it's the same map but a harder conversion
4: oh okay cool I, don't, I haven't
1: played it but that's what he said in his description we are full like deep knee deep into the cf nerding right now
3: <laughs> oh man we've been like firm advocates for it in the junior squad as well like <laughs> discount codes left and right like <laughs> people getting paid to play catching features like it's madness
1: how do you know that i was talking about it
3: oh yeah colleen's just been uh in contact with me as well
1: Fair, yeah yeah because i was like giving the talk and just like planning and making training plans and this sort of stuff and i was like oh one of the other things you can do on lockdown is like you pay catching features it is relevant and the left improve your orienteering um, You just get used to relating the map to the ground and, like, practicing your technique. And then I, on that slide, I was like, oh, yeah, there's a discount code at the moment. <laughs> and just, like, telling people not to go play fucking single player and play some decent comps. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and then Colin was like, oh, yeah, Johnny Quinn's doing a full talk on tips and tricks for catching features right after this, if anyone wants to join <laughs>
3: Well that, it was like five minutes, but like
1: <laughs> Where do we get a hold of that footage? <laughs> yeah. Johnny Q not releasing that. He's happy to give it to the juniors he knows won't beat him.
3: <laughs> I can't have Sunloft learning all my
1: tricks like <laughs> Sunloff doesn't need anybody's tricks. He's oh yeah. He's, CS go. <laughs> oh we have a we have an MP racer on right now. Should we get in? Everybody got their laptops out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: It's called Agafant Son. There's been a Uh, bit of um, racial tension or like country tension. (laughs) (laughs) The Spanish Spanish people have been telling me that uh, (laughs) they've been talking Spanish in the group or whatever and like a couple of Swedes are like, Throwing in puta and whatever Spanish language they know. <laughs> oh, the Spanish, Spanish laugh
1: on now. Oh. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> oh, I got disconnected. That is funny, though. Good times, good times. All right, well, I suppose, shall we... Uh, <laughs> move away from the cf and into other <laughs> options <laughs> uh, so it was this month johnny if i'm correct me if i'm wrong you were planning on doing the uh the old whittler round and aiming for a record time do you want to go through a bit of any of that like your prep and where plans are now that you haven't been able to get the prep you might have liked
3: um yeah so originally like I kind of planned for it at the end of June but then we were um to go on holiday to America and Canada for like a few weeks so I kind of had to push it forward then cuz if I'd put it back too far it would have gotten in the way of um warriors run like um obviously now everything's changed and stuff but um until maybe like Start of March like prep was going all right. Um probably enough to like give it a decent go, probably not to give it get a record time or anything like that, but like I'd say probably like around seventeen hours could have done. Um But yeah, obviously since the lockdown, like um I haven't been able to do any relevant training and kind of I got a little bit sick, like um and that kind of took away a couple of weeks of training and then kind of just low motivation in quarantine, not being able to train with anyone. So, my volume was kind of, kind of quite low there for about four weeks. It, it still is quite low because I don't like running on roads that much. Um, so, now it's kind of um, not really going to do it anymore. Um, just too much of uh, kind of a big break from it and we're not going to be able to be let out. Um, to be proper running in the Wicklow Mountains, I'd say for another couple of months. Um, so kind of just suits me a little bit better to kind of um, shelve that goal for now, anyway, and um, kind of focus a bit more on, say, starting doing sort of a. Prep for some autumn races if they still go ahead, and then kind of looking further field to next summer, and then the summer after that. Um, walk twenty twenty two, which is kind of my big goal in the foreseeable future. Life.
1: Cool. So that is Edinburgh, am I right?
3: Uh, yeah, Edinburgh. And, yeah, Scotland. So it's kind of it looks like it'll be a bit different than your classic like Scottish sprints, um, which are kind of all housing states. But this is kind of like city centre, so. Um, it looks cool anyway, I was looking at all the old maps and stuff when I was, um, I did like a talk for Colleen on event prep and map geeking and stuff, so I was looking at all the sort of maps for that then, and just to get my own head into how I used to prepare for events and stuff like that. So that was quite interesting anyway, and the maps look actually class, so I think I might trace them actually, or if you still have connections in Edinburgh Column, you might be able to get the OCATS, and we can maybe do a conversion or something for CF, like.
1: Yeah, yeah, geez. Um I definitely have some connections. They probably aren't allowed give it because of the embargo, but I'll oh, yeah. put the word out, put some feelers in, see where we end up.
3: I can always, I can always trace it. It doesn't actually take that long to trace a map, like. Um...
1: Yeah, yeah. Cool. This is what we do. You know, I'll ask somebody for the map, and we'll agree that if anybody asks, I traced it.
3: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cool. Good to see you getting back into the orienteering scene. Would you say that you in general uh, feel yourself as a bit more of a sprint orienteer than a forest orienteer or?
4: um
3: yeah I've kind of, I've always enjoyed sprint more like um just because prepping for forests and stuff in Ireland is um, is like it's pretty difficult because we just don't have the areas um or say necessarily the kind of support network for it like so um yeah and kind of sprinting is just kind of easy anywhere can be a sprint map you know all you have to really be is kind of quick enough and you'll be you'll do all right like um yeah so that's kind of like i do i like forest or and stuff like but as i kind of said before like my legs can't really handle that much um terrain running so and um, kind of have to put on the back burners like I was doing like a lot of terrain stuff when I was putting on, I did an event, I planned an event for Mall Hill like at the start of March and for like a few weeks before that I was probably doing like half of my training in terrain like which was good and stuff but I could definitely feel it starting to affect kind of my uh, ankles and stuff like that which were quite sore for a few weeks after that stuff. Um, so yeah, those that, that kind of the main reasons but yeah I would always kind of prefer sprint orienteering like even though... Um like people, people kinda hear that, they might think I'm in favour of sprint walkers stuff like but I'm definitely not an advocate for that stuff, like
1: you you like the traditional mix walk.
3: Um yeah, mixed walk and with qualifications, like back in the old the good old days, like.
1: Yeah, yeah. Good times. Um yeah. Would be nice to get back some middle qualities and long qualities. Although in fairness, the long qualities is a bit of work to arrange but
4: yeah
3: yeah. it's just kind of a case of like I know that they were doing it to try and like cut down the amount of organisation and stuff but like I'd say most people would probably rather put on a, I don't know, get an extra 10 volunteers put on a long qualification than have people out in the forest for 5 hours you know. which is kind yep. of what they're getting nowadays
1: yep true they're definitely the field is obviously a lot bigger so it takes a lot more time at the moment yeah, yeah, the
2: Egyptian is still out out in the <laughs> Norwegian
1: <environment. laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's some guy. Need to learn out his name, actually, If anybody knows it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Definitely uh, seen a fresh air of his mistakes, I think. Scotland middle distance 2015 really brings me back. Oh, no need to bring that race up. <laughs> <laughs> this is my chance to get you. Oh, were you there, Brad? Uh, yeah, you, we met at the first control. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? Didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, started, you after started after me, me did you? Me. Wait. Uh, oh, no, you oh, didn't. No. You started six minutes before me, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. First control, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember then running to the second control and like uh I, I know Brad was pretty fit at the time. Uh we were maybe like close enough in fitness. I probably still would have backed myself a little bit. But yeah. Brad might have backed himself too, who knows? And we're running to the second and third controls and I feel like, oh like we're moving here, like I can see uh Brad kinda like glancing over his shoulder and pushing on and like pushing the pace. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think think he made another mistake, and I got away. But chatting at the end, Brad was like, "Oh yeah, I knew you'd caught six minutes, but like I thought I could drop you and, and take it all back." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Ah, oh, surely like you already lost the six minutes to me. Who cares? Just try and get a better race." He was like, "I wanted to beat you, man." <laughs> so I used to just taking the W versus his friends in South African orienteering, six minutes didn't matter. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it is, like, like in my mind, it was, like, me versus my only competitor. Obviously, I'm going to try and drop him, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't to be that, it wasn't to be. One oh, stormed close.
1: through from 8th starter to come back as first finisher. Actually, second finisher, <laughs> another guy yeah, kicked me. But, yeah. Good times, good times. Not like I can really boast that much about that race. It wasn't anything special over here, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah. I guess that kind of leads a little into um, like the Irish orienteering at the moment and that, Johnny. We're kind of like talking about people, like what people you think are really good orienteers and would you say most of the orienteers in Ireland are just a bit shit? (laughs)
3: <laughs> uh, yeah to be honest, I've been thinking about this a lot recently actually um and I kind of think there just needs to be a like a massive overhaul in elite orienteering in Ireland like um I feel like a lot of the focus is on participation like which is obviously good, but it's completely um separate from performance um and to be honest like the the main thing that's wrong with um Irish orienteers isn't necessarily like their navigation; it's their uh, physicality. Like, and the only person who's kind of, or the only two people who are kind of, nearly in the realms of, um, kind of running on elite standard is Nick and Josh. Like, um, obviously Nick has the results and uh, to back himself up, and um, Josh is just kind of a bit poor at navigation, so he doesn't have the results. Like, um, but. Yeah that's kind of the main thing Um, and this I actually did a presentation for like the 16s on physical training and stuff so I was doing a bit of research on it and um, I'd had this from ages ago but there was like a presentation that Daniel Hubman did in May 2010 and he was saying that because he doesn't live in Switzerland near like decent areas for orienteering like um, a lot just most of the training that he does is just as kind of standard running training um, and then he just does his orienteering in like intensive camps and stuff like um, uh, obviously like we don't have the funds to like fund all our athletes on camps or whatever but and um, i was kind of thinking that the two-year gap while i disagree with it is kind of good for um, people who like say irish athletes who are full-time who work full-time and stuff they don't have like they can't just get up and go out in a training camp, you know, um but they have their whatever fifty five days of holidays a year like um or Ooh. every two sorry
4: yeah Whoa.
1: okay twenty
3: twenty 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 seven
1: or so days holidays a year twenty seven like. is good now yeah. for most people. I was working with twenty one days um
3: yeah, 21. But, but you still have your bank holidays and your weekends and stuff you know
1: yeah yeah, fair enough, that's about yeah. nine days bank holidays.
3: Yeah, so you can always push out a training camp or something. So say like your two-year um, window, which is kind of what I think you need to prep for a forest walk at least. Um, you can probably get away with a year for a sprint walk. Um, but invest your 55 days in camps for your next walk. Like um, Maybe people want to go on whatever actual holidays, like. but um, you can always do that later in life. Like if you're actually serious about trying to do well. In orienteering, you can always sacrifice just for a couple of years, like it's not that long. Um, but yeah, and in turn, just in terms of it's just like, um, the development I think in Irish Orienteering isn't that great, like people are kind of just left to their own devices. Whereas I think there should just be a lot more say practicality and accountability in it. Um, definitely in terms of like, um, kind of juniors transitioning to senior level and stuff because. I kind of feel that juniors, when they start to go to college and stuff, they kind of just drop off the map a little bit. Um, like, so, say, people doing, say, second-year 20s, their results don't really reflect what they could be doing, you know, based on what they were doing, say, when they are 16s or 18s. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of my feel about it. Um, and it just in terms of, like, training and stuff, yeah, like, the main thing that I was kind of looking at when I was doing all the research and stuff is just, like, the volume that they elite orienteers are doing now, and um, you can see it all on Strava and stuff. Um, none of them try to hide or anything like that, but it's kind of like a median framework of like one hundred and forty k a week, like, um, and the only person that's meeting that is Josh, like, and he was doing hundred miles and now he's like broke his foot or something, and um, so like it just needs to, and like you kind of see that all the orienteers going to walk and stuff, say the shorts or whatever, like if they go over hundred k a week, like it's kind of rare enough. Um, and i'm not saying like you need to be running 140k a week next week you know like well you need to be running your maximum level that you're able to um basically handle um every week and kind of make up the remainder and cross training and stuff which um a lot of athletes just aren't doing
1: yeah yeah no that's fair um there probably are some other people in there like Paul is running well and he's probably a little bit more in the high volume and like Connor is running well off low volume but yeah if, if these people are pushing the mileage a bit more and for people who can't push the mileage if they're pushing it on the elliptical yeah, or whatever like, cross training. Get a lot when
3: shorter. you say running well though, like um, you're probably talking, talking of like an Irish context whereas i really like Irish athletes to be thinking about a global context like how they're doing a walk and stuff like like Connor didn't make the walk middle final, and um, last year, even though he was in good shape, you know he'd ran pretty well against the likes of like Matt Ogden and um, Simon Opel and stuff at Queen's Birthday in New Zealand. Like, um, but it just didn't translate to Norway. Like, so um, there's kind of that big divide there. Like, cause, to be honest, I don't think that the elite athletes are like that much better in terms of navigation. Like, they're maybe a little bit better and but they probably still make the same amount of mistakes, but they're just better at um, minimising those mistakes, and the mistakes don't actually have that big an effect on them because they're fast enough to be at the top of the result anyway, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do agree, yeah. Like, when I say Paul and Connor, I'm like, Paul is just, I feel like, a bit of a, kind of a level above physically. Most of the other Orienteers, probably still behind Josh. And... Um, And Connor, I'm like, uh, I think in the forest, Connor is a level physically above the others, even though he might not be on the track or on the road and stuff. But yeah, no, you're right. uh, It's definitely like, he obviously had a bad mistake in the middle quali, but he was probably, I think he was like 18th or 19th in the quali before that. So he was pushing the boundary of having a chance making it, but probably going to miss just anyway. So... um. Yeah, no, interesting to get your opinion, and all you know, right, I will just put a shout out to myself, that did uh, do a week over 140k there recently, so kind of a big deal, <laughs> just lacking the natural talent, Um. yeah, on that note, so I'm going to go through a bit of a list of names here, and you tell me, shit orienteer, good orienteer, <laughs>
3: <laughs> wait, intern, like, <laughs> you mean like you mean like orienteering so combining physical and navigation like you, you choose
1: now? you choose what you want to answer in respect to okay. naan no, mccarthy
3: um kind of just needs to take a look at himself and uh of just get his act together really like and um, definitely has potential to be uh, at a high level um on the elite stage i would say Um so like mediocre in kind of navigation and good in physical
1: okay, Mark Stevens
3: um, bad navigationly good physically collleen no? Corbett um Corbett. Kind of just middle of the road, kind of what I was saying before, you know, like um his walk, middle result kind of stands out as um kind of a big um kind of red cross against him, really. Like um to be honest, I don't really think he should have been running that race at all. Um, that's kind of another thing that we can get into if you want to the Irish selection policy, but we'll leave that for a little bit anyway. Um, yeah, I might come back to that. But. Yeah, like Corba was very good before, like, but as I kind of said before, like college kind of fucked him, and now actuarial is kind of fucking him as well.
1: Hopefully, we're seeing the end of that the uh, the examination side of that thing, but we'll have to wait. Um, Colin Morn,
3: uh, (laughs) like can handle the training load and stuff, but just doesn't have the results.
1: Can't argue with that. Connor Short.
3: Uh, connor like showed a lot of promise uh that jaywalk in 2012 was very good but um kind of just been lacking a bit recently like his like in terms of connor like he just makes a lot of mistakes like um a lot of mistakes really like i've been looking back at some of the like walks and stuff and um comparing them to roar and stuff like because the results aren't actually that different in terms of in some races like but Like Roar is just like slow going around slowly, like but Connor's just making big, big errors, a lot of controls. Like, so if Connor cleans up his navigation, which he probably did do when he was training a lot in the forest, um, in Sweden, you know, he his his results would jump up quite a lot, I think.
1: Yeah, fair. Uh, Roar is short.
3: Um, Roar is just like the obviously the main thing is just he's quite a slow runner. Um, and um, he's good navigationally but he still just makes kind of silly mistakes um and i think he probably overthinks the navigation a bit as well
4: That's i could have a
3: bit more insight because i was coaching him a bit for a couple of years like but um yeah he kind of just needs to have like if he wants to do well i'd say like, to be honest i think the window for doing well at walk 2021 is kind of passed um because it's not that far away now um, and to my knowledge, no Irish athletes have been in, have been in the train um, yet, and um, so I'd say that people going for forest walks should kind of switch their focus to Walk Twenty Twenty Three, which will most likely be in Switzerland. Even though I don't I don't know if it's been confirmed to Switzerland yet, but um, so yeah, if if Roar has like a good focus on Walk Twenty Twenty Three now, um. I think he could do quite well with that, even though he'd be pushing on 35 then, yeah? or what, 33 or so.
1: But you think it's too late now for 2021? See, for yeah, example. to be honest,
3: I think people should...
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, so that w- would be kind of my focus, 2021. I'm sure it's others as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, d- I agree and disagree with you. I'm like, ideally, it would be been good to have gotten more orienteering focus there. and. Um, but there is still a lot of time to get plenty of focus on in Czech Republic, and it's kind of like you described with the likes of Hubman, I'm like, off oh, if you focus on the physical side and try to get that up as much as possible, and get the camps in later on, and when you can, uh, and the camps will be better organised a bit closer as well. So anyway, I'll. Uh, I won't. We won't get into that debate just yet. Um. Sorry, Brad. Bradley Lang. Yeah, Bradley Lund.
3: Just all-round all spoofer, like.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> nah, like, uh, I don't know, like, I don't really know know that much about Brad's orienteering. Like, I've only really seen him at Joe 2013 when his results were pretty good, like, so.
1: Brad's a natural. Brad is a... One of the best conversions of like running speed to running with a mat that I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> he like was like really not running amazingly quick at Walk twenty fifteen or in the build up, but was still like putting in respectable times in like the sprint quality. It was up there with Darren even though he would have been he beat Darren in the quality, I think, even though he would have been slower for sure on the road. Um and gets fit relatively quickly and can turn it into reasonable results on the map, but needs a big base if he's going to take it seriously. Yeah. Um, he yeah, just
3: needs to be back running after the quarantine.
1: like. Yeah, yeah, we give I'm him two weeks anyway. to be on the ukulele team. <laughs> <laughs> I do respect, like, last year, uh, don't, who was on our short legs? Seamus and Killeen. And Brad was there too, and it was like a little bit of a debate who we'd put in the short legs, and I respect Corbett and Seamus as navigators, and they broke probably possibly ah uh, no actually Brad was reasonably fit, they were all probably similar level of fitness, and I was kind of like yeah, just Brad's been doing more orienteering, he's been to Norway a couple of times I think, and you, tr- you trust him, uh, with the map in hand, and I have to say he was he was clean out there, he wasn't. I don't think he was flying around, but like that was all Euclid needed. It was just clean runs, s- steady. So I have to give him that. He's a he's got BMT, big match temperament temperament. He's yeah, South dude. African, so I guess <laughs> they won more World Cups than their
2: fair share. He got that come from. Only got beaten by Grace Malloy.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah i can't believe i just almost picked up that race right <laughs> <laughs> uh, two left two athletes left johnny cloud of morning okay.
3: um, i don't know It just doesn't seem that focused on it so um kind of needs a bit of a rework in there like um Yeah, that's kind of my spiel.
1: Cool. And Jonathan Quinn?
3: (laughs) Jonathan Quinn, a lot of potential. Kind of was a bit, well, was very stubborn about his training and stuff. Should have accepted insight. Um, Yeah, maybe passed it past any decent results now but um definitely i think still has the potential
1: okay there we go now that's the list of people i uh, wanted to get your opinion on we know johnny quinn is a man of opinions and uh, he's <laughs> he's fed us fed us our desires there today
3: ah uh, yeah but there's i'd much rather a person have a strong opinion than be corbett and sit on the fence about the ukulele team for the whole year like
2: that's that's true. No backbone. <laughs> <laughs> Just doesn't have the goal.
1: Uh, cool. Well, now we've got a bit of your opinion there on Irish Orientiers and stuff. Will we get a brief insight then as to the Irish selection policy you we were gonna talk
4: about?
3: Um yeah, like I think there's because we only have we still have only one place, is it? For the next few walks, like
1: uh, for long distance, yeah.
3: For long distance, okay. And um, oh, three uh, oh, for yeah. middle because
1: the qualities are back. Um,
3: like it shouldn't just be come down to one race um, for one spot, like it should come down to the best overall orange here. And um, so, like for like Corbett, like was walk the only way race he ran that year? Or the walk test race selection race um, and then he gets on the walk team like that's a bit weird to me um in terms of this year like maybe roar shouldn't have been running the long like it should have been nick even though nick didn't do amazing in the test race like um i think he would have something f- wrong with him or something and um, i think he's what he said he was he went vegan for the week before or something like that. He had kind <laughs> really of that
2: it he yeah
1: Come on, this is a podcast he, that he really, just. Song, like. We sell the vegan here. We can't. We can't have any negative associations.
4: <laughs> Man, <laughs> no, I am a strong advocate.
1: <laughs> so, uh, no, yeah, he he did go vegan for that week before. Who knows whether that affected him or not? But uh, like it, he was having it, cramps out in the race, and he was like, "Oh, I never get cramps." Like it, so, it, it so it makes is. sense that like a change, a, a drastic that's change it, in diet the week of the race. Would probably exactly. have been like
3: the reason. Like two weeks to feel it takes two weeks to get adjusted to it. Like I felt that like and when I went vegan, like um it does take a while for your stomach to get used to like basically just having an appropriate amount of fiber, like um well, yeah. So yeah, like it should come down to the best here, and really it should come down to kind of who's kind of prepared the best really, like um who's been on, who's been on the training camp, who's actually focused on doing well at the race, like, um, like, like, like this, like, it's going to say I'm bad that I'm bashing Corbett so much, but, um, (laughs) like, like, if you look back at those, like, Roar's vlog videos before the walk that he did, um, like the walk, the one before the middle, like, race Corbett is literally, like, it looks, like just like so uninterested in life, let alone an orienteering race. Like it's unbelievable. Um, so like that sort of attitude, attitude just really shouldn't be acceptable. Like, um, to me.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know the video, so I can't really. Talk Man, watch
3: it and Roar comments on this in the video. Like, um, so yeah, just watch that and everyone will agree with me. Like, because <laughs> um, it's just clear as well, the good
2: thing is, there's something to say about BMT and big match temperaments, and if you prepared well enough, you should win the test race.
1: I I do. I'm a little like yeah, like tired I think to come up rate, with the right selection are... policy. I think because you know there, it's not like we are having any other races that we're using, and uh, I'm a little bit like the best orienteer does make the team. I can definitely see sense in that, and maybe if there's three spots. I can it's easier to have like two two giveaway spots and then a third that's just like best form if somebody didn't make it in the day but with one spot it's, it's quite hard to come up with one and for the example the year that Corbett made the team it's not like we had any other races except for maybe Irish champs and um, and it's not like for example Nick would have been at other races uh, last year before the long distance so it's 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 tough to come up with like how you do it kind of objectively <laughs>
3: yeah but my point on this kind of ties in with my point on like there being an overhaul at scene of elite orienteering in ireland like um because if you had that overhaul and you had actually uh like overview of everyone um and their kind of training and their commitment to the event the amount of training camps um they've been on and stuff you definitely get a better sense for that one spot in the team like um rather than just coming down to one day like someone has like makes a couple of mistakes and they um are maybe a little bit behind someone else like who like pulls it out of that bag um like the one day of the year that they're gonna do it and they're definitely not gonna do it at um, <laughs> I walk. I get what you say, like I get what you mean. Like but um like that's um it's not how the other teams do it and it shouldn't really be how we do it either. Like uh,
4: especially, some
3: teams do, do uh, it like
1: that now. But anyway.
3: Especially in terms of like the relay and stuff, um I think that Irish irish should follow the kind of what britain do and um, they have like a relay squad that these people will be running the relay regardless of um with people's results in the middle selection race like um, and i think that's a way better system
1: they probably have nailed down the relay stuff better i'm like it's, it's it makes it real hard to get into that squad but uh they have guys who are able to run relays and they've come out with a number of fourth places over the last five years. So can't really disagree with the, the, their system at the moment. Cool. Um, right, well, am I right in saying, too, you're doing a bit of mapping at the moment around Dublin? Or,
3: um, Yeah, I'm doing... The minute I'm doing is Sandyford, which is, um, it's a really big area. Like you could probably have a decent like hour-long urban in there if you wanted to. Um, it's kind of stretching the whole way from the pitches, um, like near where Roran, Connor, and Regina live, um, all the way to like the, what was it the, the, it's like an M50 there. Is no. Like
1: yeah, the
3: a, M50 some, is there, kind of. Yeah, it's kind of stretching yeah, out. Ogan, sort of. Yeah, so it's kind of stretching out that whole area. I think it's like, um, 2k, diameter of area, like, um, just pretty long, like. But uh, and then and doing, like, I, I Lawrence has kind of started kind of started Dunleary a few years ago, but I don't think he got very far. So I kind of want to do that and then do Wicklow Chain as well. And um, and then like it's kind of funny because like I said like I would after I did could kill Boggett map um which took so fucking long that area is massive um I kind of said that oh geez I don't want to make any more maps like but because I'm just doing these um on spec um so there's no real time frame for them like it's kind of a bit more enjoyable like I can just come to, back to them any day I really want to and work on them for as long as I want you know. Um, yeah, which, is okay. I would, which is kind of what I would enjoy Like,
1: try and sell them at the end maybe for a little bit of cash in the pocket but no time pressure yeah exactly like the main thing
3: like I said this to you before the main thing I did for Sandyford was um, just so that we could have a different training map and it might be cool to have like a night sprint or something like that the area that I have I've kind of finished most of a part of it um, it kind of only really be good for sprint relay with artificial barriers like um Cause it's kind of just a little bit easier it's just a bit easy like um there's still a few interesting bits but a lot of bits are around businesses and stuff and they have gates up and stuff um, which kind of makes it a bit harder to use Um, especially at night because they'll obviously all be locked or whatever like um, but the the grass area and stuff is grand or whatever for a start and finish kind of stuff Um, well yeah if more people started doing sprint maps and stuff um. I think it'd just be cooler. Like, um, it actually gives you a good sense of how people of kind of like the different perspectives on mapping. Like, um, that's kind of what I took away from doing a little bit of research recently about event prep. Is like, um, I don't think I really paid attention that much before to how different mappers map and stuff. Um, which is kind of like the most important thing really for um, kind of a walk or a jaywalk really. Um, so it's kind of just a bit interesting, get your own perspective on it, and um I don't really want to be doing the only be the only one doing it like um there's a lot of people in the senior squad, and I'm kind of the only one that you'd say would do a bit of mapping like obviously people do a bit of UCDO and stuff um but it kind of just be a bit more enjoyable if there are a bit more maps and a few more people uh, producing them. So people listening to the podcast start a map. Uh, it's not that hard. It's actually so easy to do um, I'm doing all mine from home like um, that's just what i am doing in the quarantine like it's just street viewing Google Earth like um So yeah, maybe a day or two needing to go out to the area and then draw it up but That's like 95% of the works already done, you know, so uh, just handy doing that Yeah,
1: and these I take it are really urban like sprint maps you're making Obviously, the areas you
3: talk yeah, about are, but maps. it's not as easy to do it yeah, yeah. online. I guess, like, I'd, yeah, I'd maybe want to transition to do maybe some non-urban maps, just because the non-urban maps in Ireland are like poor um, or not great, inconsistent at least, even though, um, they kind of all have the same mapper, which is a bit weird. Like, but um, yeah. Uh, I just don't, I'm not at that level yet, and I don't have the kind of tech to make it really easy. But um, well, maybe in the future, like, uh, do a small one or something like that would be a cool thing to do.
4: Yeah,
1: cool. Um, I still have, well, like, haven't have really got into some of the core questions, to be honest, but we're, we're getting there. As expected, this is probably going to be a big one. Um, but do you want to throw in a question, Brad?
3: They should be longer. All we're doing is sitting at home waiting for these podcasts to come out every week. (laughs) Can't just 90 minutes like need a good two-hour fix. (laughs) McCarthy's one was absolutely madness, like half an hour, like he was raring to get back to the study, like
1: (laughs) We'll uh we'll have to pencil him in for once we've
2: kind of made it through a cycle, he'll be first back
1: for a lovely big one.
2: After
1: that, podcast, the first podcast was the intro song. Yeah. <laughs> the intro song, the outro song, the two of us chatting before we even got Nylon. Like, we probably got about 15 minutes to interview with Niall. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure there are people at home like, why the fuck did they have to make it 90 minutes? Like,
4: 30 yeah. or 40 minutes was perfect.
3: <laughs> Including Brad. Uh, I've, been, I've, been, I've been enjoying them, like, so
1: good stuff good stuff um yeah do you want to throw in any questions Brad before I head back into
2: the the core ones or uh yeah well I mean we've spoken about this a couple of times but and I guess it's just a question that we ask everyone who comes on the podcast is what kind of diet do you think is is the best and <laughs> <laughs> yeah just for training like well what kind of diet do you follow specifically?
3: Uh so I've been kind of uh plant based diet since September. Um so uh yeah, I don't really I don't know, I don't really use the word vegan that much like, but uh Do you want to talk through that? Why don't you use the word
1: vegan?
3: But mm-hmm. maybe i have been transition like plant based is like you don't eat any animal products or whatever, like um but vegans kind of like you have an activist standpoint against it, you know? Um, that's kind of what I'd say anyway. Like, but well, um, I think at a certain point you kind of um, get to a stage that you kind of just people still eating meat. Like, you kind of just like, you're so um, um, just it's just so weird, you know, um, that you're like, oh, I know all the stuff that why that's bad for you or and it's bad for the planet and um, obviously ethically it's. Bad as well, like, um, so like it's just a bit weird watching people eat diet. Like, I don't necessarily think that to Brad's question, I don't necessarily think that a vegan diet is better for performance, like, but, um, everyone, like, in my view, everyone should be following a plant based diet, like, um, because obviously we have the climate crisis and stuff, and this whole thing, this whole quarantine is caused by people, um, eating animals, like, um. Covid nineteen is a zoonotic disease, as was SARS, as was Ebola, as was swine flu, and um, so all of this, these recent scares, like, um, have all been from animals. Like, um, so I'd, like i as said, for, for performance, I don't necessarily think it's the best, but um, just like I haven't had any problems on it, um, and it just feels a bit better not to be causing unnecessary. Um, violence and climate destruction, or anything like that, you know?
1: Yeah, to, just touching back, Johnny. And um, do you find it a bit weird here because I'm kind of in the same boat of that? Uh, because it's been, I don't know, like, like, because I think that I basically started like a we'll, we'll go for a plant based diet pretty much the same time as you, so it's probably about nine months or so now. Uh, do you find it We're a bit middle. weird here? Yeah, fair. Maybe it was a couple of weeks before, but same idea. Um, yeah. Like now I because I haven't eaten meat in say nine months, you're like, Oh yeah, like the idea of eating meat would just be a bit weird and like other people eating meat seems weird to me. But um but you know when you're like you don't understand people who eat meat. <laughs> I like, does that not sound a bit like somewhat hypocritical when you've only not been eating meat for nine months, say? <laughs> Because I'm like, yeah, I like can't that's, really
4: that's talk why,
3: too much. <laughs> yeah, like that's why I necessarily wouldn't say that I'd be like a vegan that way. Because obviously I did eat animal products for 23 years. Um only recently transitioned to um, just plants. Um, and, But like, the, I think that like, people who don't eat... um plant-based kind of fall into two categories for me which should be kind of like uneducated and they just don't really know why people would go vegan um and a lot of people are kind of like um righteous vegans or whatever like if you want to say that like if you've if you've seen any of like um joey carberry he's kind of this activist on social media and stuff he's like such a fucking dickhead it's unbelievable um and but then there's like the other people who kind of know all the reasons and stuff and they still eat meat just because like like they're humans, they're species and stuff like that, um, and they're just kind of um, whatever. Like you're gonna take away their rights or whatever. If they, if you take away their meat or something, and it's just like, geez, like that's not the point at all. It's that like we're not trying to take away your rights. We're trying to give some of these animals like basically just a sense of compassion and kind of understanding and kind of take away the mass suffering that happens in the world. Like, cause it's like something like a hundred billion land animals are killed every year for human consumption like 100 billion like that's over 10 times the size of the human population like um just for just for human consumption and that's insane like
1: well yeah good to get somebody who knows their stats and facts too because fuck we turn around on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah. unless like, it's
2: a lot of and or if it pops up in the world of runners then we know
3: it. yeah yeah like um like you were talking about this with lawrence like um about like the game changers and stuff and um, to be honest like i think like there's kind of like three main things that people would argue for a plant-based diet which would be kind of environmental ethical and then health um, and then brad touched on performance when he mentioned game changers like um a couple of weeks ago and to be honest i think that health and performance are kind of like really weak arguments um for it because like the world is inherently unhealthy like um a load of people smoke a lot of people don't do any exercise a lot of people drink a lot of alcohol and stuff like that and um, so but like in terms of the other two like environmental like I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast and stuff want to have kids they want to have grandkids and stuff like that and um, if you keep eating meat like the climate's gonna like the world's just not going to work in the same way and um, there's going to be a lot more natural disasters and stuff like that and um, and ethically as well like 100 billion land animals like that when i heard that number i was just like what the f-? that's madness like um you'd never think that it was that much um and um, and just in terms of like when you actually see the footage like um if anyone is interested in this subject like watch dominion Um i think it's on youtube it's about factory farming in australia and um, it's like it's two hours long and I only watched 20 minutes of it and then I went vegan the next day and um, it's kind of that harrowing and um, so yeah if you're like even if you're an open-minded individual in any sense like you'd actually try and search out information um about your choices um and not just kind of turn a blind eye to it which I think a lot of people just do because they're they think it'd be an inconvenience or something like um, the two biggest misconceptions for me about a vegan diet are that it's expensive and that's hard. It's so fucking cheap. Like I stopped eating meat when I was in New Zealand because the meat was so expensive and chickpeas were, like, seven times less expensive and um, same amount of protein, or probably not same amount of protein. It's like um a little bit less protein in chick chickpeas, um, and in terms of ease, like, look up the Happy Pair five minute dinners. Like boom, you have your dinner for the week. You know, and um, it's way easier than people think and it's so cheap. Like I could spend thirty euro. Um, in a shop and that'd be me for a week and a half you
2: know
1: yeah i definitely think it's cheaper yeah yeah Yeah. i actually think that that's interesting you bring it up i think it's bit like the vegetables are a little bit more expensive here than they might be in Ireland, and the meat's a bit cheaper i think they're just whatever network they have of Ground meat and stuff, but it's still like the meat is more expensive than the vegetables, without a doubt. If you're cutting out the meat, it's surely cheaper. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, Johnny's pulling out our heartstrings here, bringing out the grandchildren. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Well, we'll uh, get away from our veganist roots and uh, move into some some of the old classics. Do you want to talk us through your? 2020 slash 2021 ukulele team seven men you know the leg orders I know you fucking do so you're giving me the exact leg order
3: yeah I suppose it's an interesting one um, this year because it would all be in daylight um, which I don't think anyone has really brought up on the podcast before which for people who are going to run ukulele is um, not great start
1: <laughs> that has um, been brought up in fairness but, yeah. okay. um, but mostly I think in the Nile conversation
3: Okay, so (laughs) that's the one thing you guys talked about. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I think there's kind of like a caveat to this really for me um, because I wouldn't have run Euclid this year because we're meant to be on holiday um, and I probably won't be running next year because we kind of rescheduled our holiday for that time as well next year. Um, Obviously everything could change, so... And um, in terms of just from the names they had for this year, I'd go um, leg one, Nile. Leg two, Column. Leg three, Connor. Leg four, leg four and leg five would be both the shorter legs. So either, um, I'd say Kev definitely on one of them, and then either Corbett or Brad on the other one. And um, then leg six, Roar and leg seven more
1: cool no McCullough no Lawrence no Connell Whelan no Rory Long sorry boys you have just been caught
4: that's a pretty strong
3: second team you know yeah um, that is a
1: very strong second team there's no doubt yeah, about that like if,
3: yeah like if I was running I'd put myself in leg five instead of Corbett and Brad but, <laughs> like that's just uh that's a hypothetical really
4: yeah
1: yeah well, good to see. This guy clearly had his list written out. He's been prepping for this interview.
3: Yeah, I don't get why people are so humming and hawing about it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like there's not that many names on the list. Like, just pick a few. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want to talk us through I your... Think, um, but like, I think you'd get, two, you'd get two ukulele teams and you'd get two Venus teams, at least from um, Dublin-based athletes, which would be cool, like...
1: Yeah, yeah. now we are calling like the likes of myself, Mark, Brad, uh, oh, yeah. Dublin-based yeah. athletes, but EMC yeah. Athlete. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but there are fully two vendor teams that like we've had two unique vendor teams from the girls who have been on. So there's definitely potential for two teams there, and we we will definitely get the other two ukulele teams. Yeah, you can. Yeah, even true. have three, three of teams. Like, this. I mean, if the girls They're are interested, in... you could almost have a full girls team, and you could as well, and that would like. Yeah, true. Yeah, so. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk us through any of your like core philosophies or this sort of stuff? Um, in terms of training, what are the things that you think are crucial? And yeah, basically, what do you follow? in your training or what do you recommend as a coach?
3: Um, Yeah, so it's kind of, I think I come at this from a kind of maybe a little bit more of an interesting perspective, because this year I was kind of training for a bit of the longer distances um, and all of my training on that was based on reading Training for the Uphill Athlete, which is kind of a book that I'd recommend for every athlete. Um, It's kind of a little bit um, of a different sort of event, because it would be training for events like in excess of two hours to multiple days and um, whereas obviously in orienteering race you're kind of training for at max 100 minutes really um, um. or at least that's what you should be aiming for anyway Um. but in terms of so that like the training for the upper athlete is based on kind of your aerobic capacity and um, so I think it's a good idea and I think that this should kind of be a, just a standard thing for Kind of Irish athletes, anyway, because everyone else does it is getting lactate tested at the start of the year and just to get your basically your level, your lactate threshold and stuff like that. Um, And like that's kind of a thing that I'd probably implement if there was to be an overhaul of uh, elite orientation or anything like that. Um, But basically, so when you're trying to do um, just normal running training, so say like your couple sessions a week and your long run. Um, you're kind of you're trying to push your lactate threshold to, on the graph to the right, your lactate threshold curve, and um, which basically means that you're running at a quicker pace this at the same heart rate, and um, so that's kind of your like standard running training. So your standard orienteering training, really, and um, and in terms of, um, aerobic training, what you're trying to do is you're trying to maximise your aerobic capacity. So, and um, basically how that's measured in the book is by the ten percent test. So. Um, your lactate threshold, your aerobic capacity and your lactate threshold should be less than 10% apart um, in terms of heart rate. Um, so basically, and kind of the anecdote that I took away from the book was um, this um, cross-country skier had a VO2 max of, um, I think, high 80s. Um, and his aerobic threshold pace was like quite poor um, and then he trained, he got in co- contact with the guy who wrote the book. And trained that way for four months, and his aerobic threshold pace increased by 90 seconds per kilometer, um, which is a massive jump for four months, you know. Um, so that was kind of the thing that um, I took away from that. But in terms of both systems, what you're really looking for is um, volume. Um, so, as I said before, kind of the median for orienteering athletes is kind of. Um, 140k because you're really you're you're just training similar to how runners would train and um, that's kind of what I, I've looked from the elite orienteers that I was looking at on Strava so say the likes of um, Alry, Tim Robertson, um, Isaac uh, or Ivy K don't know, I don't know how to pronounce his last name um,
1: Christiana, and Christiana Christiana I'm not sure either yeah, probably put
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah he's an animal like and then probably Toby Wright and stuff as well even though. Obviously, he's more of a runner now than orienteer. Like, um, and then I don't know if you guys saw that, like Casper Foster did like a training day on No Name Instagram stories like a week ago, and um, or a couple of weeks ago. And he said on that people were asking him questions that his kind of um, average running distance would be one hundred and forty k. Um, he's twenty one, like um, or twenty probably. Um, if he ran Jaywalk last year, you know. So um. I think yeah like there should just be kind of a natural progression i think is probably the most important thing and that's just really start when you're a junior like um, when you're kind of specialing in sports probably around or specialing in running specializing in running and orienteering so probably around the age of like 16 or 17 if you're going to take it seriously and then he's probably doing maybe casper foster's maybe jumped up a little bit too quick because um he was out there over the winter for a few months with a stress reaction But I think you should be kind of maximizing your volume at um, kind of 23, 24, really. Um, Kind of that age and then just kind of holding that really um, for the few years that your senior career is going to last. And in terms of like the other kind of system, um, um, it would be kind of, um, what was it? Yeah, the other system was mainly about hours because it would be a lot um, less intense kind of training and stuff like that and um, it's mainly just about kind of zone one and zone two training with a little bit of um, zone three training thrown in for there for um, kind of aerobically um, developed athletes so the ones who, have, who pass the 10% test have their um, lactate threshold and aerobic threshold 10% apart but um, so that's kind of my breakdown of the two systems like um in terms of my own training for the next year, I'll probably be doing. Um, I kind of found that when I was looking back over my training over the last few years that uh, I I've kind of found stuff that was really good for me, and then like did it for two weeks and then went away from it. So I'll probably be doing like uh, Angus Hill reps once a week, uh, and then I'll probably I'm keep them Yeah, they're just like free EPO. Like if anyone's looking for some, um. Hope so crew then,
1: tempos.
3: I don't know, I haven't tried crew tempos, like might give it a go someday. Um and then I'll probably keep in the long the longers run, you know, once a week, like uh just because I enjoy them. Um like the excess of in excess of three hour ones or whatever in Wicklow, Um and then that's kind of my two main trainings, and then I kinda of just do a few easy runs around that around that. Um and maybe a few hill sprints and um, that's one of the things that was included in the book as well and I've kind of done them and um, consistently for the past few months and um, they're quite fun to do um, and you actually feel quite a bit better after you do them and um, in terms of kind of power and stuff like that and um, so that's kind of my system like I found like in my own training over the past couple of years that when I do have a structured training plan and um, I don't last at it for long so I kind of just kind of try to keep things unstructured and really just kind of train how I feel that day. And if I don't feel like training that day, that's grand as well, you know, um, that kind of, yeah, that's kind of worked for me. That got me in to decent shape to run stone cross to Logan and stuff like that, which is a race that I'm pretty happy with or proud of. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my spiel on the two systems anyway.
1: Cool. Yeah. Good to hear it. And obviously coming from that kind of science based background. Uh, ben actually has that book here for the uphill athlete as well and been the using CF, their yeah. website a bit so I've been dipping in there probably like 50 pages in I haven't really got to the good stuff more of the science stuff which is interesting but I can't CF, wait to get into the training well. sorry
3: they have another one called uh, training for the new alpinism to see if that as well
1: no I don't think so that's good. So now, be more, that'll be a good for him, present I mean. for me to drop as, as I depart.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be a good book as well. I might get it, even though I'm not really a or not at all an alpinist, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. But Ben Pierre is, uh, yeah, he'll be yeah, yeah, the yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, cool. And just uh, don't hang on this subject too long because fuck, we're going. But um with regard to the the book and obviously a lot of the stuff they're doing is heart rate focused, would you do most of your runs kind of based on heart rate or with a heart rate chest monitor or...?
3: Uh, I was before the quarantine, um, but the past few weeks because I, um, to be honest, I'm just ticking over now like, um, not doing that much volume, I'm just going out a few days a week to to run um, until I can get back out to do some proper training um, so yeah. I haven't been working at all the last few weeks, like so. Um, I'd say it's mostly you know, a good idea to train with it, but um, I'd say it's also a decent idea not to live um, by the letter of it, you know. Um,
4: yeah. The yeah. main thing to
3: take away from it is though is that everyone runs way too fast in all their easy training, so slow the fuck down, like. <laughs> what <Well, laughs> pace do you person, think? Uh... you, like?
1: <laughs> yeah, that now He's he's calling you out. What pace do you think uh, someone like Niall or like myself or yourself should be doing their easy runs at?
3: Um, like for myself, I've been doing all my easy runs at like 5.30 to 5.40 per K like, um, which people would probably say, oh my God, that's so slow. Like, But it's at the end of the day, it's not about the training, it's about the racing. Um, and to be honest, I think this would get me in as, as good a place to do the hard sessions that I need to do, and uh, good, the good races that I need to do, like, um, in terms of Niall, like, I think he should be running at, like, five minute Ks, like, because um, then he'd be able to up, his, he'd be able to run a little bit longer as well, you know, um, which is kind of um, a bit more volume, which probably help him a little bit, you know, um, in terms of hours, like, but, um, yeah, like, what you've been doing, Colin, the last few weeks has actually been real good on all your easy runs, like over five minute k's like
1: yeah yeah oh yeah I definitely. and your
3: sessions are benefiting it from what what i can see like
1: yeah yeah i've always been or certainly the last couple of two years i'd say just a a five to five and a half minute k guy on my easy runs just it's all that the legs seem to muster up and i'm pretty chill with it because it does mean you recover nicely
3: yeah exactly like that's what i've been doing i just i just go out running and whatever pace my legs want to run at. i run at that pace for however long you know
1: yeah. Nice not to be stressing about it. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, we can ask then. Do you have any particular race? I know you kind of slightly reference say that you're pretty happy with the Stone Cross Lug, but from orienteering or mountain running perspective, anything that you're quite proud of?
3: Um, I think Stone Stone Cross Lug I was really happy with just because, um. It was kind of almost a comeback race for me, really. Um, kind of after, really like two years of, kind of non-existent doing anything, really. Um, and I'd only been training for about two months after like um another like massive layoff with injury and stuff. Um, and it was just coming off Tromso, so I was on a, in a in a pretty good groove. Like um, and that race was just fun because we were just having a day out in the mountains, like, and um, like we all ran pretty well that day. Um. So yeah, it was just a good atmosphere. Like, um, in terms of orienteering races, I'm ha- I'm I'm proud of some results. Like, not necessarily of the races. Um, so like, like this is gonna sound really stupid, but JK two thousand and ten, um, first M fourteen, um, which was real cool. It was like I won the JK. Like, that's a pretty big deal. Um is that sprint or? Yeah, in the sprint. Um, okay.
1: Yeah.
3: Congratulations. And I I won it by a while, Uh, like a good bit as well, like, which is pretty cool. Like, um, like, and I, like, I think that's kind of important, having those kind of early successes, you know, because they kind of got really, really amped up for um, the next few years anyway. Um, Like fourth at the JK overall in 2011 was pretty good. Um, That was pretty good Standards as well, like Aiden Smith, Chris Galloway, and Matt Elkington were ahead of me. Um, and that kind of result came out of nowhere, really. Um, it was quite surprising.
1: You say it came yeah. out of nowhere, and you like, You won the JK in the sprint the year before,
3: yeah. But like, I was the first year 16, like coming forth in 2011, like, um, yeah, fair, but, like that was it was cool anyway. And it was in Northern Ireland as well, um, and the, and the areas were cool, um, so that was pretty cool. Um, then. Probably the race that I probably think is probably the, maybe the best race I've done um, was JHI in 2012, um, where it's fifth, um, 50 seconds behind the leader, um, which is pretty grim, because in any other place that would have been second, like any other uh, class. Um what year did you say that was? JHI 2012. Um cool. So that was and that was that's like you look at the ca- the calibre of the athletes there as well now. Um like first was Joe Woodley, he's got a few top twenties at Jaywalk, Dan Stansfield, um he had a bit with injury and stuff and going to college, but still like a very naturally talented, good runner, you know, and orienteer and then, like, Dane, I think, was third. Um, and he's obviously runs for Adam State now. He's run 14, whatever, 10 for 5K. And then Sasha as well, who's an absolute animal. Like, um, And then I think sixth in that race was Tim Morgan. Um, and obviously, look at him now. Like, he's absolute beast as well. Like, um, So it's good. I think that year was actually that kind of company of athletes. My year um, is actually such a good year, like um you see so many great athletes coming out of that, like um which is real cool to see. Um yeah, yeah. And it's cool and it's real cool to and, run against uh, them this year.
1: Stuff. Yeah. We to be fair, actually our year was uh somewhat loaded as well just because we had the like um Pete Hodginson, uh Johnny Crickmore, Matt Halliday, uh Peter Bray, that kinda I'm trying to think, there's somebody obvious. Oh, Chris Jones. <laughs> yeah, someone well. Yeah, I know he's, he's cool. the year above, but like, he'd be racing him every other oh. year.
2: Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, but... What about um, your. Can you talk us through the emotions of being on the top of the podium in the C final in Jaywalk 2015?
3: <laughs> 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 uh... yeah. Yeah, so, like, this, I was maybe going to wait until you said the bad races or whatever, but, um, might just segue <laughs> into it now, like.
4: Uh,
1: yeah, segue away. Most devastating.
3: Yes. Like, j was 2015 and 2016, I, um, now looking back in it, like, I don't think I should have been selected at all, um, just wasn't in very good shape to run, them, um, just kind of had a bad time in all the races, really, um well I say bad time like um like that C final was actually pretty good Um the main thing I remember about that is just Colm like was our coach that year and before the race he just said man you're winning this race um and that was cool just like to actually go out and like it was an okay race I think I made a couple of mistakes like but um and maybe my running speed was a little bit low like but um it's just cool to run in a cool a good terrain and do a decent performance like um Obviously, C finals, like if you make the C final, like it's just embarrassing more than anything. Like, um, but like uh, to do a decent race in it was cool. Like, um, and then probably the other race that I was happy with out of those two years is J 2016 Relay. And um, I really wasn't in good shape, um, especially after all the previous races, and my shins were killing me. Um, but like still put in a like good technical performance, and the area was absolutely savage. I remember that um that area and the area for the Jaywalk middle final that year as well were probably the two best areas I've ever run on. Um, they were so good. Um, and I think I was like maybe the best on the team that year. Like um, in terms of time, like, and that would have been when Paul was running um pretty well. You know, obviously he went to do better next year, like the next year, but um. Yeah, and to have a, and to do a decent re- like technical performance in my last JWC race was kind of cool, even though obviously it's a little bittersweet because the last three years of kind of being a junior were really um, badly affected for me. Like, um, but yeah, yeah, in terms of bad races, like all the other races are races that I'm not proud of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Just to come back a bit, you know the way you said you kind of felt like you maybe shouldn't have been selected. I'm kind of a little bit on the other side of that argument. I'm like, I'll select people if they if they're showing the motivation, and I'd almost be tempted to send a full team to Jericho and got men and women, a little bit regardless, because people like, even if you end up sending sixteens and stuff, they're better than the South Africans, like so. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> make
2: sure I'm still, I'm still listening but. <laughs> uh,
1: just checking but <laughs> now in reality like I just feel like there's lots of opportunities say for example the girls last year like Claudette, Aileen, Emer I think that they're all like good orienteers and, and physically fit as well you know like obviously there's, they could be better orienteers and they could be better physically but pretty good from an Irish junior perspective. Um, but probably didn't quite have enough uh, jaywalks or experience there to get the best of themselves out of those jaywalks. Whereas you see the Australians and New Zealanders sending 16s and they're doing shite, even South Africans. Um, but when they get there, like second year 18, they're starting to get the hang of it. And first year and finally second year 20. Okay, so the Africans aren't making the A-final, except for Brad. But uh, like Kiwis are, Aussies are, Americans and Canadians are. Like, we should definitely be competing with them. And I think I given, kind of given some like, of the juniors, more jaywalks gives them that experience and, and gives them the focus to, in their later years, be like, yeah, I really want that A-final.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like okay. I went five jaywalks and the first three were all the same and all shit. But I, I don't think I would have got, like, the results I got in the other years if I hadn't been those first three years, you know, just for motivation and for understanding what's going on and, and all of those factors.
3: But, yeah, I, like, kind of half agree with you, but the thing about all the examples that you guys just used is that um, in the final years they had good results, which I think 90, 90% of Irish athletes don't do, Um if you look at the past the last 10 years like um
1: but that's a little bit what i'm saying kind i don't think that say those girls that like the irish girls from last year did all right but like they could have done better and i think if they had a couple more years they might have got the results that they could have that they are actually capable of you know
3: yeah but like um they might have got but they didn't you know um like, you can gain experience at all the big events, like, go to JK, um, and stuff like that, go to Yuka, like, go to Tiamila, or something like that, those are big, big experience races, you know, Um like, unless you're actually gonna, um obviously, this, this probably sounds bad from coming from me, because, like, all my results as junior were, like, um, not very good, like, um, but, um, if you're, like, there has to be kind of a, um, accountability factor i would say like um if you' if you're going to be selected for these races in all the years leading up to it like they're kind of you kind of have to have a big finish more than anything
1: like yeah yeah
4: like anyway, know like, i think we like, can like, i think lost a
1: lot... little bit disagreeing in this because I kind of think guarantee yeah, do your JKs and stuff is good and you could have definitely a G experience too but it's the championships like this and eoch like you know there's stepping stones but they just don't really seem to be doing enough. Whereas I think other countries are more motivated for their final years and more focused on those. And it, I think a part of that is having been there for a few years and seeing other success over a greater, like over a longer time. It resonates as well if, like, somebody has been for a few years and they make it to the final in their last year twenty the first year 18 who's there is like shit i want to i want to make that A final i want to come top 30 or whatever um, whereas when people see it at home they're like oh yeah i want to do that but it's, it doesn't hit home quite the same i think <laughs> anyway uh,
3: yeah like but like i just think my system kind of i think there's people who go to jaywalk to try and do well and because they want to be good at orienteering and then there's people who go to jaywalk because they want to go to jaywalk I agree with that, yeah.
1: And it's yeah. hard to distinguish, i yeah. say, at times. Yeah. Sometimes it's not so hard, like, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair. But, ultimately, like, I think I'd probably send both those sets um, with a bit of, like, at least we're going to get the, uh, the people who are quite focused on it, coming out with top results and becoming better orienteers from it. Anyway, we're we're already over the ninety-minute (laughs) mark, and we've um, more
3: questions. Like I think, ah, we'll keep going. Like it doesn't matter. Um, like I think that they should. Um, like I just kind of had this idea a few weeks ago that there should kind of be a, um, Mm -hmm. junior elite orienteering squad in, like Ireland, separate from the senior squad and separate from the junior squad. Um, so say like those developed jaywalk athletes and then going into their senior years like there should be like a another support system there for them um because I think a lot of people fall by the wayside there and they kind of um or go a bit wayward they don't really know what to do with themselves you know um and I think just having a, a system there in place or even someone in place there would kind of be a way to um kind of stop that or at least slow it down for the most part you know
4: yeah
1: um kind of i suppose a little bit in relation to that i was actually supposed to be coaching the kind of like eoc jaywalk squad a bit more this year and i was supposed to go to hungary with the juniors for we were looking at arranging an eoc training camp but i was kind of initially looking at the jaywalk training camp but most of the jaywalk athletes like college and stuff and yeah so we were looking at that, and then at also so that was supposed to be after the JK and flights and stuff were booked, but obviously didn't happen. And there was also a training weekend kind of around the monster Champs. And it was more just focused on like EOC, j we what trying to get them more ready for the championships coming up um, and hopefully sustain that for a couple of years. So it might kind of work a little bit like that. But again, I don't know that I would have called it quite the support network leading into seniors anyway uh yeah i to be honest we actually probably have gotten through most of stuff i was gonna ask if you had any particular event or trip that you would say is your best your favorite trip looking back
3: um probably walk 2010 and walk 2011 were really good fun um just the spectator races um and being in that atmosphere at that age as well like was really um was actually really cool like especially france because those people were insane um and then probably jhi 2012 i really enjoyed as well just because um we were all like clumped together in the cabin and there was this really good uh team atmosphere and stuff as well like um so yeah that was really fun
1: where was that in 2012
3: Uh, it was in south of england somewhere like um oh it's actually um box hill around that area is that where ali masson lives like yeah, yeah, it is. I think it was
1: around
2: there. But yeah,
1: very good. watch 2010? Norway gets another shout out. It just seems to be a constant winner. Yeah, huge favourite for the the Irish. Yeah, big big squad trip and really lived up to the hype.
3: Yeah, that was. I just remember the pizza from that. Like the two great pizza adventures. Like the. All uh, oh, you can eat buffet with Marcus Pinker, Column, Lawrence, and myself, and then the when we when you when you, me, and Lawrence went for pizza, Column, and then we came back and everyone had gone to sleep.
4: Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. classic. Coming back into the room, pitch black, trying not to wake anyone.
3: Take, yeah. everyone taking their spectator races so seriously. Like, what was that? <laughs>
1: I don't remember. It was probably like half nine or something. <laughs> yeah. I think it was
3: because I think it was because Column Hill was living in the same place and he was kinda of using them as training for or scissors or something like that. Um around that uh, time. Yeah. Still. Outrageous.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. I think um I'm through all my questions just checking back. I don't know, Brad, did you have any more remaining or have we satisfied your time quota? Um, who's your favourite Scrubs character?
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose yeah, there should be... I love Scrubs, like, who doesn't love Scrubs? Great show. Yeah.
2: Favourite
3: character. Oh, it's a tough one. I'd probably say, probably say either Ted or uh, the janitor.
2: And we must say R.I.P. to Sam Lloyd once again. Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace, Lloyd.
3: Did you guys do a little intro for that? Like? We
2: did. Yeah, yeah. Brief. Yeah. <laughs> um,
3: I don't know, if you guys have heard of it, but um, Donald Faison and Zach Braff, who play Turk and JD on Scrubs, they've been doing their own rewatch podcast, which I've been listening to um which is actually it's actually pretty cool because i like a few weeks ago i'd actually started watching scrubs again the first i think i watched the first like four seasons or something um it's good show man and (laughs) this podcast is pretty good as well because um anyone on the podcast who doesn't know i have like i have a real big interest in the entertainment industry and film and television in particular like so kind of hearing all the background info and stuff like that is uh it's quite cool to me, like, so, um, yeah, and then, obviously, this news came out that Sam Lloyd, who plays Ted, uh, passed away recently, so, um, when Colin asked me for a cover, that was the kind of the one that was in my head, so.
1: Yeah, one? it was a good one, too, I have to say, um, yeah, I have to say a big JD fan myself. The, uh, yeah, the podcast, up, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, Turk is amazing as well. Yeah. The rewatch so, podcast is that like focused on, like they're rewatching episodes of Scrubs themselves, or
3: yeah, like every every podcast episode is an episode of Scrubs. Like, I don't and, think they're going to go for the whole run. Like they pro- might do the first <laughs> season. I'd say
1: they've been talking yeah. through it, like they're just laughing. And or...
3: um, they've been like talking through it, and they have guests on and stuff. Like they've had um the guy who created Bill Lawrence on. and um, They've had the guy who plays Doctor Cox on the guy who. The, women who play um, Elliot and Carla on as well like so it's actually quite cool to get a whole um, different hostess perspectives and stuff like that on it um, and yeah it's just a show that I like um especially the music in and stuff like and um, that's the main reason why I started re-watching it I was just like man I need some good music so I got a load of them songs onto my like songs on Spotify and stuff so I just been listening to them like
1: yeah yeah Oh, my favourite was always Overkill, Colin Hay. That's a classic scene. Ah, uh, the...
4: Wait, uh,
3: heart, the most heartbreaking one winter Joshua Radden. Like.
1: Ooh, i have to look that one back up.
3: Ah, uh, you know it, like... Brent, oh, yeah, Brendan Fraser's.
1: Fair, fair. It's been a while, um,
3: Yeah, like, they're just cool stories. Like, a cool story about that is that your man Joshua Radden... Um, Was living on Zach Brass couch, like, and then they put a bit of his music in Scrubs, and he like became very, very well known, you know. So um, that's just a cool little thing about that. Yeah, cool.
1: Right, (laughs) I guess. uh, Yeah. Well, what
2: what are some uh, common misconceptions some listeners (laughs) might have about you? Uh, if we're keeping this going like i can bring out all the old questions
3: <laughs> Um yeah let's keep going like you can we can you can cut it in half if you want to and put them in a, a separate episode a few weeks like
1: i might pop up <laughs> yeah well to be honest i don't actually have that much more but yeah, no, i am interested to hear this one to be fair um, with the misconceptions
3: like um i don't know i'd say all conceptions are a bit accurate like <laughs> uh, I'm probably a bit too intense about stuff um, but I don't know that's just the way I am like I can't really apologise for it like if people were like this they'd be like it too like so
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. but you kind of have to live with what you're given Like,
2: your love yourself brother what do you say Brad? <laughs> what are your thoughts on free will?
3: Um. Now, that's the great misconception.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: Have I, you guys had never... this conversation before? No. I've had this
3: conversation in one of my college classes that was like philosophical and stuff like that. Um, yeah, to be honest, I just don't really believe in it. Like, um, like it's kind of like, it's coming to a kind of head, now like people don't really have their own choices and stuff like that but like i'm not one of those fucking whatever first amendment american psychos who have a million guns and want to kill everyone with covid-19 or whatever like that like but um i just think that all of our choices and um kind of the way we live our lives are manipulated by the systems that have been in place for the last however many years you know um like we think we're making an individual choice but it's a choice that someone's made before and it's a choice that someone's gonna make again. Like um so yeah.
2: Nice. Does you have anything to add to the misconceptions about you? <laughs> or no?
3: No. Not really any misconceptions, like uh does I have do you guys know of any miscon or conceptions about me that I might disagree with?
1: Uh you're a very injury prone.
3: Um like I could probably push a bit more volume, like, I'd say everyone could really like. And um, we don't have any like stress injuries that much in the Irish squad like um but it's just a case of I I kind of am a little bit afraid, I'd say, of it of getting injured again, like um um, like, I've never had any stress injuries, I've only had mechanical injuries, so brought on by my biomechanics and stuff, so. Um, but yeah, it would be a bit injury-prone. Like you get a bit more injury-prone that way, I think, anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, think think I'm good to go with questions there, to be honest. And I agree with what you're saying pushing the distance it's the right way obviously it's risky but i've got no fear what do you think i should yeah. be pushing my volume to johnny
3: um i don't know like the level you have now is pretty good like um you're not gonna you've had a few weeks of it now and you're not getting injured at all you know yeah um, Yeah. like just look at kind of all the other well it depends like if like if your main goal is walk 2021 is it which you kind of said it was yeah, um,
1: yeah for the short term anyway for sure that's it short term if a year is short term
3: yeah like you have a lot of time now so even like like the, that 60k run or something was maybe like a little bit out there like um in terms of like and um, like the main thing about it is, is consistency, like so, kind of tr- keeping the same volume week to week. Like, and that 60k run was a bit of an outlier. Um, so if you kind of drop that back a little bit and then maybe brought all your other runs up a bit, it kind of being more in line with, um, kind of training that a lot of the other elite orienteers are doing. Like, so,
1: um, yeah, yep, can't but, like, argue with just, that. Yeah, that's just my opinion, got right. talked into that one by Ben a bit. I think i might get talked into another similar challenge next week by Ben, but we'll uh, have to wait and see. I don't like committing to these yeah. things. But like now is,
3: now is the like like now is the time to do experiment or try something or maybe test us something new a new system for a couple of weeks, you know? And yeah. we have all the time. Like there may be races going on in the audience, to be honest, I'm kinda of like Lawrence. I'm a bit skeptical. I don't really think there's gonna be anything until and uh, maybe summer twenty twenty one, like, um but like remain optimistic or whatever, you know.
1: Oh, I think I could be running a men's difficulty mountain race in one week today. uh but yeah, oh, sorry, one, month like. one month today. One month uh, today. Yeah, yeah, New Zealand is quite different. Yeah. All right, boys. I think we've uh, we've we've done our dues there. This is going to be almost uh, probably an hour and fifty. So, yeah good times listening uh, thanks all the fans for staying this long if you kept on we respect <laughs> your your true passion for the podcast and real yeah. fun, let us know via our social medias whether you want them this long shorter or longer whoa go wild <laughs> anyway boys good chat thanks for having us yeah
3: Thank you. Uh, look forward to the next few podcasts as well. Yeah. Cool. All right.
1: Yes. See you, boys. Cool.
5: One, two, three. Uh. My baby, don't mess around because she loves me so. And this I know, but sure.